0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Twenty-one plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. See dkng.com b slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome everyone to the Writers Block Podcast. I am your host David Cowman, and. I was holding this chair as the interim host a week ago because uh, Brandon Laurie was uh, on the injured reserve, as as we had said. If you've been listening to some of the other podcasts here on the Blogging the Boys po- podcast network, you know that there has been a change in the teams that we have for these podcasts. Brandon Laurie has now moved over to um, co creating a new podcast that comes out Monday mornings. Press coverage with uh, the great Jess Navarrez, who has returned to Blogging the Boys, and we're very very excited about. What Brandon and Jess have going on there. But we're also still going to be here Tuesday mornings with the Writer's Block podcast, uh, keeping the same group together, minus Brandon Laurie, So it's me, Chris Holling, uh, who's here tonight, and then also Brandon Clements, who actually is not here tonight. So we are working with a little bit of a skeleton crew for this one, but rest assured, we're going to keep the hot takes coming in. We're going to keep the good content and insight and analysis coming in just as we do every single week. So Chris, how are you doing, and and how how does it feel like being you know just the two of us when we're used to having the four horsemen here?
2: <laughs> um, I feel great. Um, I'm so happy to be on here, and you know um, we obviously wish the best of luck to uh, to uh, Brandon Lori. and you know we're super excited to have Jess back with Blogging the Boys. Um, but, you know, I mean, yes, we have less people tonight, but I think it'll be entertaining nonetheless, you know, me and you sometimes have different opinions on, uh, things related to the Cowboys, but you know, it's all love and, you know, we all, you know, I mean, I mean, we're still supporting the same team and it's good to have a little bit differences in opinions sometimes, but, you know, I think, you know, I I think that we don't have anything too passionate to talk about tonight that will lead to debate and discussion. So I think it'll all, you know, be good.
1: Yeah, I, I, there was a part of me that was tempted to just rehash and relitigate the case of Bijan Robinson in <laughs> the first round because that was probably – I think like that was really the thing we sparred on the most was yeah. your, your love for Bijan. And I mean as much as I love Bijan, I just – for me, it was the positional value of running back. But I, I don't think that's really going to be much of a conversation for this draft. Uh, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, things can always change between now and April. Um, but but that is really kind of what's at the forefront of, of our minds right now is is the draft. We're getting into draft prep. Uh, the NFL Combine has kind of sort of officially started. Players are arriving in Indianapolis. Um, the actual on-field workouts begin Thursday with the defensive line and linebackers. And we'll be going through the weekend. Um, so the Combine is is a really exciting time because you get to see all these players, in you know the they, they call him the underwear olympics you get to see him out there and doing all these ultimately kind of meaningless workouts <laughs> and then we get to mm-hmm, say yeah. you know a few years ago it was like Kenny Pickett his hands are too small what does that mean or you know this guy that when he you know, you watch him on film he looks like he's the fastest guy out there but oh he ran a four five forty what does that mean like you know, it's it's peak overreaction season, and also because a lot of teams are in Indianapolis, whether it's coaches, executives, scouts, there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of whispers going around. Those rumor mills about to really pick up and, and be you know just blazing hot, and so there's going to be incredible content coming out of this. Aside from just the players that they're that you're theoretically there to evaluate. Um, that being said, people that won't be there that we know Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy, new Cowboys defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer. Uh, They have both said that they'll be staying in Dallas. I I believe McCarthy is going to be there uh, in Indianapolis briefly for um, kind of a media session and interview. And then from there, he's going back to Dallas. He'll, he'll be doing some video interviews with some of the players, but uh, he's kind of huddling up with Mike Zimmer and still working on finalizing some of the defensive staff since Mike Zimmer became the defensive coordinator, and also kind of working on some of the scheme changes that they want to make on defense. Uh, As has been pointed out a year ago, it was kind of the same deal, except McCarthy having just taken over offensive play calling and with Brian Schottenheimer being elevated to offensive coordinator. It was, you know, they were were kind of getting together and saying, how are we going to rebuild this offense? And, you know, they ended up later on dubbing it the Texas Coast offense, which, some people love, some people don't love. Um, so, uh, I'm curious, Chris. One, your thoughts on Texas Coast offense and how much you love it or don't. Um, but also, really, in, in you know, thinking about this defense going from Dan Quinn to Mike Zimmer. Obviously, they're two very different coaches. But you know, for the most part, the defense has been successful. So, if if they're huddling this much to really think about how much they're changing the defense. Like, what do you think that really means as far as how many things are going to change and substantially change from Dan Quinn to Mike Zimmer?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to the uh, Texas coast, I mean, I love that. I love the play on words there. You know, it always makes you think of Texas toast. And, you know, I do love some Texas toast. But, yeah, no, I mean, from the offensive perspective, I like it. You know, I feel like when you're talking about Zimmer versus Dan Quinn and their schemes, I think that they have a lot to talk about because I think Zimmer – has kind of a different mindset when it comes to how he wants to stop the run. I think he's going to be looking at bigger linebackers and I think he's going to be looking at bigger defensive tackles as well. You know, I think we saw, you know, Mozzie Smith, you know, the, um, a rookie, you know, he kind of was a little light and was running kind of like a three tech. And I think that that just doesn't make any sense. Like, why did you draft him in the first round? If that was your plan? You know, I think that Zimmer is going to want to bring him back to weight of being a one tech. And, you know, you know there is going to be a lot of discussion on a 3-4 or a 4-3 but you know zimmer's been really successful doing both you know i mean it was a 4-3 under switzer but you know um uh, back under parcells it was a 3-4 and he was really good at doing both of those so i think you know i think that there's just some scheme questions that like they're going to be going over they're going to kind of go over you know what personnel they like in terms of size in terms of in terms of of uh different you know um uh, I i guess like different positional uh, staff changes. And yeah, so, I mean, Quinn was very successful in Dallas and, you know, I also, you know, um, I'm on record saying that I'm not celebrating him leaving, but I mean, at the same time, I think that Zimmer is the best candidate to replace him. And I think that Zimmer brings a lot of, you know, traits that I think the Cowboys really need, you know, like he's kind of like an old ball coach in, in in terms of his like demeanor, you know, he's going to expect the best out of all his players, regardless of if, their rookie, regardless if they're a veteran, regardless if they're all the way at the bottom of the depth chart, or if it's Micah Parsons, you know, like he's going to expect you to give your best at all times. And, you know, I'm excited for that kind of um, mindset and, um, you know, just um, bring at, bringing that into the building. I think it'll be good for the toughness and it'll be good for the grit, you know, come playoff time.
1: Yeah. I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see just how much does change because, you know, like you were saying, You know, there was some sentiment when Dan Quinn left for the commander's job of, like, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. A lot of that, I think, was an overreaction to how bad the defense was over the last month of this past season. But, you know, three years and three consistent, you know, top five finishes and a lot of defensive metrics, you know, it's not like like Dan Quinn's scheme was completely broken. Uh, I'm very much on record as having, you know, pointed out, Specifically, his struggles against the Shanahan style of offense. That's one area where uh, Mike Zimmer has generally succeeded, where most others have not. Um, so, but I, I don't think that that really requires like a complete and total scheme overhaul. Um, I think philosophically, a lot of the things Zimmer wants to do more or less line up with what Quinn wants to do. They just have different ways of getting to that point. Um, you know, also worth pointing out, Quinn. Before he became a coordinator, was a defensive line coach by trade. We know he's very hands-on with defensive linemen as well. Um, Zimmer, on the other hand, you know he was coaching defensive backs before he became a coordinator in Dallas. Um, he he's generally got a reputation for coaching, being hands-on with every level of the defense, but has always gravitated towards that defensive backside. Um, his uh, his coverage scheme, uh, as I wrote about back when he was hired, uh, uses pattern matching techniques, which is. Uh, can can be a very nuanced kind of approach to it. Um, I don't know how much of that Quinn was utilizing, you know, during his time in Dallas. So that might be an area where, you know, talking with some of these defensive backs, there's going to be some changes there. But I think, you know, you you hit on a good point about just getting some size too, getting some some heft behind these guys, you know, some linebackers that actually play linebacker. You know, Marquise mm-hmm. Bell deserves all the flowers out there for doing what he did at the size. That he is and and for not even really playing or practicing at linebacker until right before the season started. Um, but also at the same time, like at a certain point, you need a bigger dude there. When Leighton Vanderish went down, that also kind of coincided with some of the the downturn in defensive results, especially later in the season. And you know, you also brought up Mozzie Smith and You draft a three hundred thirty pound nose tackle, and then he cuts down to under three hundred pounds before the season's over, and is playing three technique. I don't
2: know,
1: you know, and I don't know who if that was like just Mozzie, you know, wasn't keeping the weight, or if the coaching staff wanted him to cut the weight. I don't think we'll ever get a straight answer on that. Yeah, It um, just doesn't really
2: make much sense. Cause you know, I mean like the whole point of drafting him in the first round was to stop the run and you're asking, right. you know, I mean like you're asking a guy who is good run defender at Michigan. You're asking him to just drop weight. It just didn't make any sense. Cause I mean like we need those big fat guys in the middle who can clog up, you know, you know, just clog up the interior of that defensive line and allow, you know, Parsons to get off the edge and, and I'm um, a DeMarcus Lawrence to seal that edge. So, I mean like to me, it just didn't really make any sense at all. Um, I'm hoping That's, you know, if Mozzie puts a little bit more weight on him, then it will allow, you know, him to, you know, kind of blossom into that first round pick that, you know, Cowboys fans were hoping for.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, I fully agree. He needs to go hire a couple of personal trainers by the name of Ben and Jerry. Um, (laughs) He needs to be, you know, putting on the pounds, getting back to the player that Mozzie Smith was at Michigan because. You know, when he was drafted, there was a reason for excitement. He, he is a very good run stuffer. He, he carries his size well. He plays, you know, fundamentally sound in the trenches. He is what you want in a run-stuffing nose tackle. So if, if they can get him to what he was in, in college, I don't really – I'm not going to worry too much about whether or not he can be a pass rusher because, hey, you've got mm-hmm. Micah Parsons. You've got Demarcus Lawrence. And even in the interior, Oso Adigizua just had a really great year. Um, And Mike Zimmer throughout his career has had a very good track record of helping guys, you know, get pressure, whoever they are, wherever they play along the defensive line. So um, it's just going to be very interesting to see those changes. I think, like you were saying, a lot of it's going to be kind of mentality based of, you know, he's going to be much harder. He's more of a disciplinarian than Dan Quinn was. And like Darren Woodson was saying during Super Bowl week, like he's not there to be your friend he's he's gonna make you disciplined and he's gonna make you better for it and i think also when you think about this defense and how many penalties they had in the season that might be mm-hmm. that that could potentially be like the biggest change like run defense and penalties just being more disciplined in
2: those two areas 100 percent, they have to be better when it comes to the penalties i mean i mean it's just so weird i mean like I- I mean, it's obviously been something that has plagued them throughout the regular season, but it just really sticks out in the playoffs. And it's been that way the past few seasons. So, you know, something's got to change from a discipline standpoint. And I think if you're, you know, really trying to make that change, then I don't think there was anyone out there who was a better option for it than than, uh, Mike Zimmer.
1: Well, and hopefully that is exactly the case, because the Cowboys really want to have that kind of defensive performance that where they play the way that they did earlier in the season before the full season. Uh, if they compare that with the kind of offensive production they had this last year, they could, you know, have a much better chance of progressing in the playoffs next year. That being said, Mike Zimmer can sit in Dallas or in Frisco with Mike McCarthy right now and go through all the schematic changes. It's not really going to make a big, a, a, a big difference if they don't also have the personnel to run it. So, again, pivoting back towards the draft as the combine is ready to get underway. Um we we went ahead and picked both of us picked two different players, one from the offensive side, one from the defensive side that we are like most excited to watch in this combine coming up. Um, so Chris, uh, since we're talking about defense, go ahead and give me your, uh, your defensive player. Yes.
2: Yeah, so my defensive player. um, You know, I'm not hundred percent sure if you'll, you'll like it from a draft standpoint, because he's probably going to be a first round pick. I think if he fell to the second round, then I think it's a steal. And I think, Cowboys would be, would be hitting the lottery, but I would go with Texas A&M's. Um, I would go with Texas A&M's at, um, Edger and Cooper, um, a, oh, a, a uh, linebacker. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he, he is just the ideal prototypical linebacker who you want. You know, he's, he has great size. He's 6'3". He's about um a 230-ish. So I mean, like we I mean, like it'd be ideal if he added a little bit more weight on him, but I mean I think that's an easy fix. Um, I think he's gonna have an impressive 40 time. I'll keep an eye on that. But I mean, last season he had a monster year for the Aggies. He had 83 total tackles, he had eight sacks, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery. And I mean, one thing is is he's a really good downhill run defender, and I just think he kind of fits like a glove for what the Cowboys currently need on their defense. Um you know, and, and and I'm also, you know, I know that there are people out there who feel like, you know, I feel like that, like the running back and the linebacker and, you know, like some people even say like the, the – the um tight end and i know that, that was disproven with um sam laporta and i know that you were big on the tight end train but you know those positions aren't really worthy of a first round pick in the nfl draft but i think the cowboys are in a situation right now where they need to treat the offseason like they are trying to win the super bowl in 2024 and it sounds like that that's the way that they're going to do it and i think that they need immediate production at positions where they lacked in this past 2023 season and you know i understand that you know maybe that you know like maybe you can find a linebacker in those later rounds but if you can get a home run linebacker in that first round in in, in a pit 24 who also i think would fit really well in Mike Zimmer's defense cuz Mike Zimmer has you know throughout his um a tenure you know um throughout the NFL you know he's had successful linebackers he had um uh, um in Minnesota he had Anthony Barr who had several pro bowl seasons he had Vontez Burfitts in uh, Cincinnati and you know i just think that there's You know, I think that he thrives off good linebacker play. And I think that that's something that they have to address if they want to defend the run and also just be an overall better defense in 2024.
1: Well, you make a good point there about Vontaze Burford, who, of course, uh, Arizona State alum. Um, I don't know if Zimmer gets credit for that because Arizona State just churns out uh, premier NFL Mm -hmm. talent, as we all know. Um, I, I do wonder, though, like, You know, to your point about, you know, positional value linebacker in the first round. um, And you also mentioned Sam Laporta. The Lions, of course, last year also drafted a linebacker in the first round with Jack Campbell. um, And they drafted a running back, you know, earlier in the first round. So it was until the Sam Laporta pick, it was a nightmare draft for me. (laughs) Um, But, uh, I mean, the Lions were kind of in a point, you know, with, with their roster building where, they have a lot of pieces at some of the critical positions you could question, you know, Jared Goff, obviously he had a good season for them. He fits into what they do, but they have, you know, good offensive linemen. They have some playmakers on defense, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, some of those other guys, you know, they they had built. They like, it's worthy of, you know, linebacker that's worthy of that first round pick later in the draft. Sometimes it may not be the best positional value in a vacuum, but maybe for that team specifically, it makes sense. Personally, uh, you know, I'm still I'm a slave to the positional value argument, so I have a hard time stomaching a linebacker in the first round mm-hmm. when there's several other guys there. But to that same point, the Cowboys, you know, it's what are what are their biggest you know needs right now? Especially if you're thinking defense, you know, they they've got pass rushes, you know, they have some some pretty good defensive backs. Um, if you're looking, if you're looking just at defense, like linebacker is the biggest thing. And if you think Edwin Cooper is gonna be like that dude, gonna be like a Jack Campbell type, uh, or even better, and if he fits into what Mike Zimmer's doing in linebacker, you know, it, it, unless there's some other player at another position of need that's like significantly better than Edwin Cooper, like, you know, you, you could make the argument that that it really would be the best pick for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No one hundred percent. And listen, you know, we um, talk about the positional value of, you know, of uh, of these different positions in the first round. I mean, yeah, like you said, it best, like the Lions from just a positional value standpoint, went running back really early. They went uh, linebacker and tight end. And, you know, it worked out great for them. They really should have been in the Super Bowl. And, you know, like they blew it. But I mean, like they made their first conference championship game in what feels like forever. and and yeah so i mean you know it may seem weird from a positional value standpoint but i mean sometimes it's just that immediate impact you know that that really matters and and you know i mean i mean we've seen that you know you know with different teams in the past where they've taken positions like eh, i mean like why would they take that in the first round and they ended up being immediate impact players and really you know changing the way that that team played the the um next season and you know i think that if the cowboys can get that that leader, you know, like that quarterback position of the defense, you know, really set and you know get that middle linebacker who's who who's just gonna you know just be their future at that position and really solidify it. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I mean, I, I mean the 49ers defense really sticks out as being so elite. I mean, I, I mean like they obviously have great playmakers all over the field. Um, you know, I mean, like, I mean like they have the former Defensive Player of the Year Nick Bosa, and they have several other you know you know um, players on the field as well. But I mean they really excel because they have Fred Warner at that middle linebacker position and he just you know he just plays so extraordinary and i feel like having such an elite middle linebacker really makes the rest of the defense kind of play well as well so i think yeah you know maybe you're not looking at one in the first round but i think you know i think depending on how the draft goes i think that if you know cooper is on the board there and uh you know Um, The um, center isn't there, you know, you know, like that center option is not really looking good. And, you know, you know, um, these um, other offensive lineman positions, I'm, you know, like I'm a believer of of, you know, you know, best player available as well. And I think that this could be a situation where Cooper could be the best player available and it could fit a really big need for the Cowboys.
1: I love it because you followed right into my trap on two fronts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One, bringing up Fred Warner, which gives, of course, me the anti-linebacker in the first round, the perfect opportunity to point out Fred Warner was the 70th overall pick in his draft. And I mean, mm-hmm. the 49ers didn't spend a, a first or even a second round pick on him and they got a really great player, which kind of lends itself to that argument of you can find really great linebackers later in the draft. Um, and also his, his running mate, Dre Greenlaw was a fifth round pick. Um, so just, you know, goes to show that it, it's really with the linebacker position, it's partially about, you know, just being able to identify talent and how they would fit in your defense, but also about the defensive line that they're playing behind too, because like you mentioned, San Francisco had invested a lot of either draft capital or actual cap space into their defensive line and and had a really good setup there. Um, You know, that said, the Cowboys have invested some draft capital in their defensive line and, you know, maybe it needs to be playing a little bit better. Who knows? Um, But the other way that you fell into my, you know, beautifully laid trap. <laughs> giving my, you know, giving myself a pat on the back. Um, is talking about best player available because for me, the defensive player that I'm most looking forward to seeing um, would be, you know, if he were to be a first round pick. And at this point, it's really early to, you know, be identifying, you know, who's like necessarily a lock to be a first round pick. I mean, aside from Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels, the quarterbacks. Um, But if this guy were to be the Cowboys' first-round pick, it would absolutely be a uh, best-player-available kind of approach because that's uh, UCLA edge rusher Layatu Latu. Uh, And if you follow John Owning on Twitter, you know, first of all, if you're not, you should go follow him Mm because he has great content constantly. But he is also, I'm pretty sure, the uh, president, co-founder, or the only founder, the sole founder, proprietor, all the different words you want to put out there of the Latu fan club. Um, He's been on this bandwagon for a couple of years now. Um, Latu was just an absolute force to be reckoned with at UCLA, Uh, just an edge rushing force. And I know you're thinking, well, David, you just said the Cowboys have, you know, Micah Parsons Demarcus Lawrence. They also have Sam Williams, who, you know, needs to needs to get a few more reps on defense, certainly needs fewer reps on special teams, which is (laughs) Where he has some penalties. I think issues. that
2: Zimmer could definitely be, you know, big for Sam Williams in terms of having <laughs> him not commit so many penalties. Yeah.
1: He he would definitely benefit from it. Um, and I mean, I just want to see more Sam Williams in general. But you know, you've also got you know Dante Fowler's going to be a free agent. There's, you know, even with uh, you know Demarcus Lawrence, it's like, you know, he he's getting up there in age and he just had a really great year and he he really I was impressed with how he kind of not really revived his career but at his age to play at the level that he did this past year was impressive but at the same time from just a planning standpoint you don't know how much longer he's going to be at that peak and I'm sure that was part of the reason why they went with Sam Williams when they did it could also be part of the reason why you go with a guy like Latu where he might not necessarily play a whole lot as a rookie but you know when you're when you're looking at it from the defensive side you know it's a passing league. You got to be able to affect the quarterback either through the pass rush or through the defensive backs. Cowboys have some good guys in Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland who are very good at affecting the passer through the air. But you've got Micah Parsons who, on his own, creates more opportunities for other guys. Why not add someone like Latu who brings so much else to uh, to the defense and and as an edge rushing presence. And I think, you know, would really benefit from some of the simulated pressure looks that Mike Zimmer has really majored in his whole career. Um, And and I'm really interested to see how Latu tests at the combine, because I think that will really kind of solidify what his draft stock is based on just his athletic profile. Um, If he's going to be like a surefire first round guy to where the Cowboys have to pick him in the first round, or maybe, maybe he falls into the second round a little bit. To where maybe they could move up in the second round, similar to what they did when they landed Demarcus Lawrence. Um, you know, there, there's a whole lot to be uh, to be determined there, but that's who I went with for my defensive uh, defensive player that I'm really looking at. Um, really like Chris said again, setting me up perfectly for this, taking the best player available approach.
2: Yeah. So like, I mean, like honestly. Um... David, you don't have to convince me that uh, defensive line is something that the Cowboys shouldn't shy away from in the first round. I think that you can never have too many defensive linemen. I mean, like you said it best, you know, this is a passing league and and, and obviously you want to have a good passing offense. But, you know, the flip to that is that you have to have a good passing defense. And um, Durant's Armstrong is a free agent this offseason. Uh, Dante Fowler is a free agent this offseason. Um, so, you know, like there's two ends right there. Who may not be coming back to the Cowboys, especially too with, you know, Dan Quinn, not being here anymore. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if Dan Quinn tries to reach out to any of his former players and see if they can, you know, come over to um, Washington with them. So, so I think that, you know, I think that if you believe that the best player available is a defensive lineman, you know, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not against that by any means. I think it would make sense. Um, I do think that there are more pressing needs and I think that, we could see even better players available than him you know and, and i think that it's possible on the offensive side of the ball however i think i mean if the Cowboys scouting department truly believes that you know a defensive lineman you know you know um, um a specifically an end is uh, the best player on the board i mean you know it may not be viewed as a sexy pick but neither was tyler smith and you know tyler smith aged great so you know you know i'm willing to you know you know be patient and, and um like give the cowboys front office a chance
1: yeah, and I think that's that's an important point, too, is this front office has really earned the benefit of the doubt. They may not necessarily have the benefit of the doubt because, you know, we after we got upset about Micah Parsons and you know, all of us, especially mm-hmm. me, uh, looked pretty dumb after that, you know, then we immediately got upset about Tyler Smith again and forgot about, you know, Micah Parsons and how great he was. And then now we're talking about, oh, Tyler Smith is so great. What a great pick that was. And, you know, you, you can go even further before that, and Travis Frederick. You know, there were there were several you know draft experts that are like, you know, some of the the top voices in in this this draft analyst world who, on the night of the tra- Travis Frederick draft night, were saying it was the worst pick of the draft. You know, the Cowboys absolutely absolutely failed the draft, and you know, then a couple of years later they were like, oh, he's going to be a you know surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, So I I think this front office has earned the benefit of the doubt with the way that they approach the first round. Um, They have a very good track record, especially since Will McClay got more involved in the draft process. Um, So, you know, for me, uh, unless it's a running back or a linebacker, I'm going to trust their gut. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it went even if they went with running back or linebacker, I'd at least wait until week one before I really truly make up my mind. Um, Yeah. Now, that being said, you know, we, we talked about, you know, two defensive players. Um, I think there, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about the offense, you know, going into this off season, Um, you know, whether it's, you know, getting some receiver help, whether it's, you know, figuring out the offensive line with Tyler Biotish being a free agent, Tyron Smith being a free agent and us not really knowing for sure one way or the other, if he's even going to come back and play another year. Um, And really, I mean, we, we know who the quarterback is going to be. Dak Prescott's going to be getting that extension. Um, we don't know when it'll happen, but we're pretty sure it'll happen. Just from sim- simply from a cap standpoint, it would be pretty hard to, to not address that at this point. Um, and We know Jake Ferguson's probably still going to be the, the top tight end. But beyond that, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces on the offensive side. So who's, who's the one offensive player that you're really just honed in on right now?
3: Go to Sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's Sylvan 29.com.
2: Yeah, so you know, on last week's uh, podcast, you know, we um talked, you know, about some different prospects as well, and and you know, I had brought up uh, Keon Coleman as a guy, you know, you know, you know, we talked about these wide receivers and I'm going to stick on the wide receiver train, but this time I'm going to go with someone else. I'm going to go with LSU's Brian Thomas jr. Uh, I just think he makes a lot of sense for what the Cowboys need in terms of a wide receiver. You know, you know, I kind of talked last week about how, how I feel like the Cowboys haven't really gotten what they need in that red zone from a true red zone wide receiver. You know, they had the 12th ranked, you know, um um red zone efficiency um um across the league when it comes to scoring touchdowns they scored a touchdown on just 58 percent of their red zone trips the 49ers had uh uh they ranked first and they had scored on 68 percent of their red zone trips and you know i think the cowboys just need to find a consistent threat at that wide receiver position near the end zone and no one is better you know, you know, in this class at finding the end zone at the wide receiver position then Brian Thomas Jr. You know, he, you know, he stands at six foot four, 205 pounds, you know, you know, so he's very big for the position. He, um, finished last season with 17 receiving touchdowns, which actually led all of college football. And, and I think most notably he did this as the wide receiver two on his team, you know, with, um, with, um, um, Malik neighbors, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in this upcoming draft at the wide receiver position as well. I mean, I know, I mean, I understand that Jaden Daniels had a prolific season, you know, and um, he won Heisman, but I mean, a lot of that could be said too because of, because of what uh, Brian uh, Thomas was able to do with them. And I think that Brian Thomas has got to watch in this uh, combine because I think he's the perfect candidate to increase his draft stock at this combine. I mean, he's explosive. He has deep threat speed you know, with his height. And I think people kind of forget about that because they just see all the touchdowns that they see his 50, 50 ball ability. But I think he could, you know, I think an impressive 40 yard dash from him could really help his case being a first round pick. I think in past seasons, Thomas would likely be, you know, a solid lock to be a first round pick with his kind of production and, you know, his ceiling that he brings. And, and, but I mean, like, however, this is arguably one of the most stacked and deep wide receiver classes that, that the NFL has had in recent memory. And, you know, I think that it's realistic that he could slip um, if not to number 24, then, you know, entirely out of the uh, first round. And, you know, the Cowboys, you know, wide receiver may not appear as the most pressing need on this offense, you know, as opposed to offensive line and, you know, some other things, but I think the team should start looking at investing in this position because, I mean, I think Michael Gallup could be cut this up. I mean um, this, th- this offseason. He has a potential out in his contract. Uh, Brandon Cooks is 30 years old. He's not going to, you know, be the future Robin, the CeeDee Lamb's Batman in Dallas. You know, like, they're going to have to find that number two wide receiver for the foreseeable future. And And, you know, Thomas just has outrageous ceiling. I mean, he didn't even pick up a football until the 10th grade and he's just 21 years old so i mean calling him a a raw prospect is you know it's i I mean it's an understatement and he was still able to put up those kind of numbers and you know to have the size of the position i think he's a very intriguing prospect in terms of you know what dak prescott could um get out of him what he could provide you know not being the center of the you know um passing focus you know with um cd lamb and and, um, Jake Ferguson out there, I think he could be a really good compliment and, he, and, um, he could provide, you know, a different spark and a different, uh, contribution to the offense that I think the Cowboys kind of lacked this past season. Cause they didn't really truly have that, you know, that like big X wide receiver near the red zone. And I think that's something that, that, um, they were missing. And I think that they, uh, had, had moments in the season where they struggled because of it.
1: You know, one could definitely argue that, uh, A lot of his production came because of, you know, Jaden Daniels. Um, And, of course, we know he originally, you know, committed to Arizona State, played, you know, the first beginning of his career there. So, again, you know, another, you know, surefire NFL star born out of of Tempe, Arizona. Um, So – and for the record, in in honor of of Brandon not being able to be here tonight – you know, I, I was trying to pull some Syracuse players to really talk them up, but, <laughs> man, I...
2: <laughs> it's hard. They don't have a very good football team.
1: <laughs> I, I looked through that list a few times. I, I might have missed somebody, but... maybe There's not Brandon a lot of NFL
2: talent on that team. Next week.
1: Um, <laughs> next year, though. Next year.
2: Yeah, maybe. Something. Maybe next year. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but honestly, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see.
1: Yeah, but I, I think you do make a good point, though, about you know, Brian Thomas and being that kind of ex-receiver type that, you know, Michael Gallup before the injury, even though he didn't really have the prototypical frame for it, like he, we saw him, you know, he played that way. He was, he was, you know, great at getting downfield. He was great at making those contested catches. Um, He even showed a few uh, glimpses of it this past season when he was a little bit more healthy, but on the whole, it's, he's just still not what he was before that injury. And uh, that's the unfortunate side of, you know, of injuries in the NFL and the sport as a whole. Um, but, but I think, you know, C.D. Lamb has shown an ability as a downfield receiver. Brandon Cooks has shown an ability, but it's not really the same as, you know, throwing, you know, that 50-50 ball. And, you know, back when the days with Romo and Des Bryant, where like you threw that ball and, you know, Des is coming down with it. Um, they haven't really had that type of player. Brian Thomas could be that kind of guy. There's a few receivers in this draft that could be that guy. And I think that would add a certain dimension to this offense. Um, for me, it just ultimately comes down to the question of uh, not to beat a dead horse, but the positional value uh, relative to what their needs are. Because obviously, a receiver is a valuable position, and you know the Cowboys certainly got great value when they landed CeeDee Lamb in the first round, uh, and they kind of did that at a point where they had Michael Gallup shortly after he had kind of uh, had his coming out party. They had Amari Cooper, who was very much established as a a top receiver in the NFL, um, and, and that didn't really deter them at the point. At that point, um, you know. But then we saw kind of the decisions that they made with you know Cooper's contract and you know the way that they handled Michael Gallup after that. So I'm curious. I'm I'm wondering like the way that maybe that they handled you know those three players around that same time. Maybe that would deter them from taking this approach, or maybe they just really believe in Jalen Tolbert or Jalen Brooks, who you know we've seen some flashes from both of them. Here and there, but you know, haven't really seen a whole lot. Just they haven't had the volume of of uh, of the work. Um, Or maybe if the Cowboys really are going all in, maybe they are trying to go get a veteran receiver to kind of complement this three-headed monster between Lamb, Cooks, and you know whoever else is out there at free agency. We know it won't be T. Higgins, who was franchise tagged by the Bengals, but uh, I'm sure there's some other options out there as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly. I like the idea of of kind of investing at that future wide receiver, you know, in the draft and kind of getting, you know, that rookie contract. I, I, I like the idea, you know, I'm still on the Derrick Henry train. I know you're not, um, you know, I know that that's something that we're going to argue about until he's either in Dallas or he's not in Dallas. But, but I think the Cowboys would benefit from, from, from signing a running back who's who's uh proven and you know he has that nfl experience because i mean they really lacked when it came to being able to punch it in in the end zone you know you know from the running back position and i feel like they really lacked you know like that power back and and i feel like they really need that and i don't know if it makes sense necessarily to take that in the draft i think that you know i think a run game is is very important in the nfl it complements the passing game and i think that you know, I think it's smart to find that in free agency and, and, and go the wide receiver route in the draft. But I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think that there are several ways the Cowboys can go about it. I just know that I think the Cowboys are going to be looking for a wide receiver three, because I do think that they're going to let go of Michael Gallup. I mean, it just makes the most financial, you know, sense. I understand that, you know, um, you know, there was a time when he was really good and he was one of the better wide receiver threes in the NFL whenever he was behind CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. But, but I mean, he's just not that, that player anymore. He just hasn't been since his injury and it's unfortunate. And, you know, I think then you're looking at, oh, is it going to be Jalen Tolbert? Is it going to be, you know, Jalen Brooks? Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be somebody else? And I think at the end of the day, you have to, here's the thing. I think that Jalen Tolbert made a good jump. Um, I think that he looked a lot better in his second season than he did in his first, but I'm not confident enough to have him go out. Week one as the wide receiver three on the roster and have him, you know, you know, you know, be in that position and it's in, in, in a situation where the Cowboys are trying to win it all. So I think that Cowboys need to be aggressive in acquiring some talent at that wide receiver position, whether it's early in the draft or whether it's in free agency. But I think, I think financially it may make a little bit more sense to go, uh, in the draft route.
1: I think that's well said. And I also think it's well said how, once again, you've set me up perfectly <laughs> uh, by talking about Derrick Henry, by talking about, you know, getting the power back uh, in one way or another. And, you know, I'm, I'm you called it, I'm not ready to go there with you on Derrick Henry being a cowboy. Um, mostly just because, you know, I, I think Derrick Henry is a very good running back. He's had you know, he's definitely outperformed his draft slot. Um, But I think, you know, I imagine he's probably going to be chasing a big contract. The Cowboys just got out of a big contract, one for Ezekiel Elliott, and that was a big motivator for why they moved on from him. But then also with Tony Pollard playing on the franchise tag. Now, I I think that was a smart decision of the way that they handled Tony Pollard, um, who, of course, it was reported on Monday that the Cowboys are expected to let both Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle test the free agent market, uh, meaning no franchise tag. Um, they're, they're not gonna really make a, a concerted effort to re-sign those guys before they hit the open market. I think that's also kind of the right approach to the position, um, especially because a year ago, you know, the Cowboys tagged Tony Pollard and then you know, a few other running backs got tagged and, and didn't really have the kind of market that they anticipated. And that's just the way that the position's going. Um, I think Derrick Henry could be the exception just because of who he is. And he almost single-handedly carried that Titans offense for so many years with, you know, in the Mike Frabel years. Um, so I'm personally, I'm not ready to go there with Derrick Henry. If he, if he ends up being a really cheap option in the free agency pool, like, you know, then I'm interested, then we can have that conversation, but I don't anticipate that. However, I say all of this, not to just, you know, kill Chris's hopes of me ever agreeing with him on (laughs) Derrick Henry becoming a cowboy. Um, But because the, the offensive player that I picked that I'm most excited to watch in this combine is someone who has already been kind of sort of compared to Derrick Henry. And I, I say kind of sort of, because I don't want to put that on any player that's an unfair comparison to make for any sort of player. Uh, when they haven't even played it down in the NFL, but that's Notre Dame running back Audric Estime, um, who he he's because of the nature of the position, because of you know some of the other players at the running back spot in this draft, he's not going to be a first-round pick uh, most likely. Uh, I would be kind of surprised if that developed, but he's probably going to be you know a, a day two kind of guy, maybe early day three. Um, but a lot of that's really going to I think change based on how he tests, how he performs at the combine, and then his pro day. Um, but this is a this is kind of fits the prototype of that power back guy. He's six foot. He's you know he played at about 227 pounds, and he plays with that downhill bruising running style, um, and is very much that that power back type. However, he's not a one trick pony, and anyone who watched Notre Dame games the last couple of years knows he has pretty good movement. He's got very good footwork for his size. And when he's able to get out into the open field, he has an extra gear he can kick it into. And, you know, he's, he's not the fastest guy. He's not going to, you know, break any records in the 40-yard dash, but he's he's got good speed for a guy his size and with the kind of play style he has. And in that way, he's reminded me and a few other people of Derrick Henry because, you know, Henry was a bigger dude, but he was very, very uh, meticulous in his footwork, and that helped him being able to, Move better with his size, being able to find the open hole uh, in the the run blocking and and get to where he needed to be and build up his momentum. And you see some of that with Estime as well. And with the way that the Cowboys are kind of approaching this position now, with with the running back position of of they're not really going to you know shell out the big bucks for to to whether it was you know signing Ezekiel Elliott or franchise tagging Tony Pollard or rather they tagged him so that they didn't commit a huge dollar amount to a running back um, for a long period of time. Um, I I feel like, you know, whether or not they feel confident about Deuce Vaughn being kind of that um, more outside the tackles speed option kind of guy, uh, Estime really fits that bill of the power back that they could potentially pair with him and maybe a cheaper free agent, or even if they bring back Rico Dowdle on, on a reasonable contract, he can be, You know, it can be a tandem between them or a committee between the two of them and Deuce Vaughn. But with Estime, it's really, I think, gonna depend on how he tests, especially starting with this combine of, you know, do his agility numbers match up to what the film shows? Do his, you know, does his 40 yard dash match up to what he shows when he gets to that point? Um, And if it doesn't match up, then you gotta kind of go back to the drawing board of like, where do we really see him and his projection? But that's, for me, there's a lot of great offensive players here and we certainly could have picked, you know, a handful of really great offensive line candidates, many of whom we talked about last week. And that's certainly going to be a spot that the Cowboys, I think, prioritize, especially with that early first round pick. But I'm really curious to see Estime and how he does and, and kind of where his draft stock changes as a result of this combine.
2: Yeah, no, I have to say that Estime was a uh, very impressive last season. You know, I watched uh, Clemson throughout the season you know, you know they obviously struggled at, at, at times throughout the season, you know, mostly offensively, but you know, one thing that they were good at throughout the entire year was their run defense, and um and, and, and um and uh, they weren't very good against SMA. SMA had uh 5.1 yards per carry against them and a touchdown. So and like that's a group of you know guys on that tigers defensive line who's all four or five stars who are all gonna have some shot in the NFL. So I mean I, I mean, he definitely has the size to translate to that next level. He's a big – he's a huge running back. But I don't know. I just feel like the Cowboys really need a proven playmaker at that running back position. You know, I think that, you know, when you first come in as a rookie, you know, I, I feel like you have, you know, like some growing pains. And, you know, it takes a little bit to get going. And and I just think that, you know, the Cowboys can't really afford to, you know you know, have a running back who's going to grow. Because I don't think they, you know – I mean, I think that there's cases where that's not necessarily the case, but, you know, drafting a guy as low as they would, you know, if they're targeting a running back, I don't think that you're going to get that immediate, you know, you know, a 100-yard threat option. And I think that that's kind of who they needed, or, or or at least a surefire, you know, once they're near the goal line, it's going to be a touchdown. And I think that the Cowboys really need to bring that, that you know, real dual threat uh, back to their offense of, you know, Yes, you know, but um, they're able to beat you in the past, but they're also able to, you know, n- grind it out in the run game and and, and uh, wear you out on the defensive side of the ball. So, so I mean, I think he, he I, I mean, I think he's a very attractive uh, prospect for the Cowboys. I think that, you know, I think he's a good power back, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still leaning more towards that experienced veteran. And I think that yes, maybe, maybe salary cap wise, you know, it's a reach and it's not something that the Cowboys. You know typically have done in past free agencies, but you know, Jerry says he's all in, so you know, we'll have to interpret it and see if he actually is. But I think signing a Derrick Henry or you know maybe even a Saquon Barkley since he's not getting the franchise tag either. You know, doing a move like that, I think that's really showing you're all in and really trying to, you know, make you know take risks, things that don't always make hundred percent sense, you know, from a cap standpoint, but you know, you know, you'll do what it takes to put yourself in the best position to, you know, still be playing football in February. So, so I think that they need to be more aggressive at pursuing a running back either in free agency, you know, instead of doing the draft because, you know, I just think that, you know, I just think that they need a more immediate impact at that position.
1: You know, Saquon to the Cowboys would fit the trend that we've seen this off season of everybody leaving their team, but staying in the NFC East, of course. Yeah. The commanders hired, Uh, Dan Quinn. The Cowboys have hired uh, defensive line coach Jeff Skinina. They've also hired assistant defensive backs coach Christian Garcia, both from Washington. They put in a request to interview the Giants' defensive line coach, Andre Patterson, who has a history with Mike Zimmer. So, yeah, why not extend it to the free agents, to the players as well, and bring in Saquon? Maybe Tony Pollard goes to the Giants, and it's almost like a trade straight (laughs) up. Um, Let's let's just have fun with it. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, I mean, honestly – I, I am a little disappointed because I finally went there and, and said, you know, i I want the Cowboys to look at this running back in the draft, and then immediately you were like, nah, it's not good enough. So I feel hey. like I was
2: gonna meet you halfway. Well, listen, I wanted that splash. I wanted Bijan, because you know, Bijan <laughs> is Bijan, you know. Listen, I I, I, I I think the estimate can bring a lot for the Cowboys, but he's not Bijan. So but you know, that was always a you know, a far fetched dream, especially too considering the fact that he was never gonna fall to the Cowboys. So, you know, I mean in hindsight, you know, it is what it is. But I think that um it would just I'm you know, you know, I just think that the Cowboys need to get that splash running back. They either need to get a Henry or a Saquon or maybe even a Josh Jacobs. I don't know. I'm not really a fan of that, but I mean I don't know. I just want them to get an experienced running back as opposed to a rookie running back at least this year. At least while we're trying to win now, I think that, you know, I think that, you know, in a team that really, really wants to control, you know, you know, I want them to control the ball and I want them to, you know, the um, control the time of possession. I think that you need a consistent running back, and I think Tony Pollard, you know, kind of found his, you know, I I, I feel like he kind of found his footing later in the season, you know, as he had more time to recover from that injury, but doesn't seem like the Cowboys are necessarily going to be bringing them back. So I think, you know, if you're going to, you know, you know, you uh, know, find a different running back, I think that they need to look in free agency, but I do appreciate you for kind of opening your eyes a little bit and, you know, you know, kind of welcoming the idea of a running back in the draft.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate you appreciating me and in an effort <laughs> to appreciate Brandon, uh, who again is not with us for this, this episode, but we'll be back in the saddle, uh, Notre Dame, speaking of Estime, you had mentioned how he performed against Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame didn't play Syracuse this year, but last year when they face each other uh, estimate, uh went for 20 carries, 123 yards and two touchdowns. So nothing to sneeze at. Um, it was his second highest uh, single game yardage total that's that season. Um, and the other one actually came against North Carolina, who I know Chris, you're also a huge fan of. So um, really, you know, just just bringing it all together. Uh, I, I like Estime, um, you know, not in the first round, but I'm curious to see how he does. And we'll certainly all have our eyes glued to the television uh, for the Combine, making sure that we're definitely not um, ignoring or neglecting any of our daily work duties while we're also watching the Combine. Uh, we would never dream of doing that. Um, but we'll be, you know, keeping up the content on bloggingtheboys.com throughout the whole week. Uh, covering the draft, covering you know, all things Cowboys, as we always do, uh, looking at these players as they perform and test in the combine. And, of course, we'll be back next week, uh, maybe with you know just one extra person instead of just the two of us. Uh, that said, if it is just the two of us, we are for sure getting all the way into the B. John Robinson debate. So it will be a blast from the past. Um, but until next week, uh, you know, be sure to check the website for our, our articles daily. Um, check out the rest of our podcasts from, from some incredible content creators there on the Blogging the, ba- Blogging the Boys podcast network. And always remember, go Cowboys.